You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another dejected episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall at home to the Ohio State Buckeyes 55-52. to The Hoosiers are now 13-11 and overall, 4-9 in conference play, have lost 9 out of 10 and 4 straight home games in what has just become one of the most inexplicable and disappointing stretches of Indiana basketball that I can remember. Uh, you know, Indiana exited that Michigan State game with things really looking up and a chance at home to get at least one victory over Iowa or Ohio State to kind of feel like the season was getting righted. And the Hoosiers have dropped both of them and all of a sudden look more likely to play on the Big Ten tournament's opening day than they do to play in the NCAA tournaments. And that is just where we are this season. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Chad Schwartzkopf, and we will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We'll start the show as we always do, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment today uh, came late in the game uh, with the score tied at 49. End of the shot clock, Devontae Green gets an inbounds pass, shoots a deep three-pointer, and makes it to give Indiana their first lead at 52-49. to you know, really felt in that moment like, okay, we, you know, we got it. This is going to be a game that we would win. I believe it was Indiana's fourth straight three-pointer after not being able to hit any outside shot seemingly all game long. Uh, Romeo hit one. Devontae hit one. Romeo hit one. And finally, the offense got going a little bit. It was uh, it capped a 9-0 run uh, by Indiana. Uh, or actually, that, that made it a 12-point uh, run for Indiana, 12-2 run for Indiana. And, and really, it was a continuation of some solid play uh, for Devontae Green, you know, on a day when there weren't very many bright spots for Indiana, uh, and in a season when the bench hasn't brought very much to the table, today the bench did. Indiana got 19 points from its bench. Devontae, in particular, scored 10 points, uh, had three assists, did have a couple of turnovers, but overall was certainly more of a solution than a problem today. And he was joined by Deron Davis, who had six points, uh, two assists of his own. Uh, both of those guys, uh, Devontae was plus five, Deron was plus 11 during their minutes. But unfortunately, this is a game that was decided in the first four minutes of each half as Ohio State outscored Indiana 22-6 to during the first four minutes of each half. Uh, and while Indiana battled back valiantly uh, during the other 16 minutes of each half, they didn't have enough to overcome those poor starts. But that three-pointer by Devontae, a huge shot, gave his team a chance to win. Um, but unfortunately, C.J. Jackson would uncork another one of his deep clutch threes against Indiana, and the Hoosiers couldn't get a stop and couldn't get a bucket late. And the result was yet another loss for Indiana. All right, today's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. At HoosierProud.com, you will find great State of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like the Julian Center for Empowering Survivors of Domestic Abuse. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Homefield apparel 
is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. Be sure to check out Homefield's vintage IU designs, including the classic Indiana warm-up script tees and long sleeves, which are printed on incredibly soft tri-blends. And definitely check out the tri-blend hoodie with the IU Bison logo on it at least once a game, sometimes more. I get a picture that someone sends me of them wearing that hoodie because we've talked a lot about it on this show. We all have them. We love them. It's truly a very comfortable hoodie, and the Bison logo uh, is really cool and always starts conversations because people don't remember that Indiana had that logo, but there's a cool story behind it. Get a brother, get some coupons. And yes, you can get coupons. Don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All righty. Well, let's do what Indiana failed to do most of the day offensively, and that's move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Ryan. Ryan, plenty to rant about after this Indiana performance. What are you going to pick? Yeah, and I know we've been hard on him lately, but I just feel like we need to talk about Justin Smith. And and I feel like Justin was terrible today, legitimately terrible on both ends of the floor. Uh, I thought there were some moments defensively. I thought there were some moments offensively where he did what he's supposed to do, which is stand around the basket and and score from within five feet. But when you've got that guy shooting threes and shooting long fadeaways and, you know, dribbling down the lane and, and dribbling the ball off his foot, I mean, there's a reason, as I think, was it Andy in our group text texted and said, you know, there's a reason you're open and there's a reason that nobody's closing out to you after you've been open for five seconds. And it's that they know you can't shoot at some point. You've got to know you can't shoot. And at one point, Indiana had midway through the first half. And by the way, Indiana had 10 turnovers and a couple of those were late. They did pretty well handing on the ball. They just didn't do much offensively with it. But at one point they had four turnovers. It just only got credited with two of them. But all four were his fault. One was where he stopped a cut and Romeo threw a pass to lead him. The other one was where he wasn't supposed to be and, and Juwan threw a pass out uh, out of bounds. I, I mean, I just think when you're Justin Smith, you have to realize your limitations and, and his limitations are painfully clear. He cannot shoot. He's not a driver. If he gets the ball on the block, he can score there. He can do some things there, but he can't try and be something he's not, which is what it seems like every game now with Justin. And, and you get moments where like, he had a block late against Caleb Wesson, which they called a foul on that I thought was a clean block from behind. I thought it was a beautiful block. And he does stuff like that from time to time. Where you're like, all right, you're, you're getting it. But then you see him like taking a, a you know a twenty three foot shot or 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 a fifteen footer, and it's just man, that's not your game. And you got to know your limitations. And maybe it'll be your game next year. God, I hope it's your game next year because we need more offensively from you. But you've got to stay in your lane and, and and really realize it. And it's become increasingly and painfully clear that Indiana's best lineup is when Deron Davis is on the floor. And it was increasingly and painfully clear today. Deron only had six points, uh, but. He also had two assists, a rebound, a steal. He played better defense than Justin Smith for most of the day. I mean, he's a guy who affects the game when he's in, and you saw the crowd gave him a standing ovation when he came off the floor. Yeah, it's hard for him to to guard you know, one of the Wesson brothers out on the floor. I get that, but at some point, we've got to make a switch here and go with the better player, and Duran is a better player who makes Indiana better when he's on the floor. I think you said he was plus 11. That does not shock me at all because Indiana was wildly better when he was on the floor. And the reason why is because he can get you easy baskets. And yeah, he was, he only had six points tonight. But when you throw the ball into him in the post, he draws a crowd because specifically because he can score there. And when Deron Davis or when Juwan Morgan isn't getting any openings on the interior, because I mean, 
you know, Juwan had three points tonight, but he was also mauled every time he got the ball. I mean, there were four guys around him. It seemed like every time he touched the ball, which is a smart game plan from Ohio State. Don't let him do anything on the interior. Make him a perimeter jump shooter. Jawan was 0-4 from, from the perimeter tonight. So when you've got Indiana's best player only making one field goal because you're defending him the way you're defending him, other guys have to step up. Duran was a guy who stepped up. And, and you know, to his credit, Devontae Green hit some big shots too. But nobody else did. And that was the problem. And a guy like Justin Smith, who is supposed to be in the front court with uh, Juwan Morgan, has to be a guy that steps up. And he didn't. He did the opposite of that. And he had one of his worst games. I, I just thought he was terrible. I thought he floated through. And it's really getting on my nerves how he jogs on the offense and jogs back on defense. It's driving me nuts. And maybe he's just not a high-energy guy, but it's starting to get to me that, dude, you've got to sprint. You, if, he, if he ran the floor, he'd have six more points a game because he's faster and more athletic than anybody else. If he ran the floor on offense, he'd get open, and he doesn't, and it's driving me absolutely batty. All right, and making his first appearance on the Assembly Call IU postgame show straight out of the chat mob, it's Chad Schwartzkopf, and that means it's time for Chad's good or bad. Chad, I'm guessing it'll be something bad. Well, I've kind of got a mixture of both for us on this game. I mean, it kind of set the tempo for this game. Uh, One of our first defensive uh, possessions consisted of Justin coming over and helping on Wesson and double teaming. And then uh, whoever Justin's man was driving to the rim and Romeo coming over and accepting the charge for that. And uh, that kind of really set the tone and showed some good defense that we had throughout this game. Um, Unfortunately, the bad kind of piggybacking off of Ryan uh, was Justin. I mean, Justin just his first two possessions, uh, kind of, I think, I believe our first out of our first three possessions was him shooting a three and then him dribbling for a pull up. And then at about the four minute mark, uh, we finally see coach take him out. And instead of walking down the bench and high fiving all the teammates, he immediately goes and just sits down. Uh, it, it just his attitude's not there. Uh, and then at the end of the game, we're, we're fighting, trying to win this game. And it's his player when he's watching ball watching that slips past him and goes in and, and dunks it home to give them the lead again. Uh, it's it's frustrating. I was and, just going to mention that. I mean, he went, he just completely lost his man, and Wesson had a walk to the basket and a dunk. And it's just that's the key situation in the game. You cannot lose. If you're a freshman, that kind of thing happens. If you're a sophomore, there's no excuse. It, it kills home court advantage. There's no home court advantage when, when something like that happens. It, it killed the momentum at the end. And then we, uh, granted, tried to scratch back from there, but um, we just have the bad luck of playing good defense and then teams able to throw it up there with under 10 seconds left and, and nail threes. And uh, I don't, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one thing I want to talk about here, and I talked about this on the halftime report, because what I thought was really plaguing Indiana, especially offensively in the first half, and you saw it some in the second half, is that Indiana just seemed all too comfortable to take what Ohio State wanted them to do. You know, Ohio State was really sagging off. One of the reasons why Juwan couldn't score, and part of it's on him for not posting tough enough and getting the ball in position, but Ohio State was also making it really tough for him to get the ball because they were sagging, and they were sagging off a guy like Justin, allowing him to shoot, allowing him to drive, which he was all too happy to do, and as we've talked about almost every single show, that's not his strength. He's an elite finisher as a cutter. He's an elite finisher on the block. When you get him the ball in position, he's an elite finisher in transition. Everything else, he's below average to poor, and yet he continues to take those below average to poor opportunities. 
You know, same thing. We saw Evan Fitzner. On one possession, he drains a three. That's his game. On another possession, he's, you know, on the move. They get him the ball, and he's throwing up a wild hook shot. That's not his game. And too often, we're seeing Indiana's players being put in a position and, and, and almost taking the opportunities to do the things they're not good at. And so, Ryan, my question to you is, what part of that is on the coaches? Because I feel like at this point in the season now, in the middle of February, if Justin Smith is going to continue to take the ball off the dribble and do these things that we've seen over and over and over again, you know, are his coaches failing him by not making it clear that he shouldn't be doing these things? Because we keep seeing it over and over again. So certainly the part that you talked about with, you know, some of the loafing and not sprinting back and some of the decision making is absolutely on him. But this also just seems like an offense that even here in February, guys don't know what they're doing when they play well, and they don't understand what they shouldn't be doing because of their weaknesses. And that part of that to me is coaching. Well, sure. It's always partially on coaching. I mean, that that's to me, I mean, it's always partially on coaching. What I would say, though, is that the bench is an effective weapon with, with guys who do things they're not supposed to do. With Race Thompson out and with Jerome Hunter out for the season, it's really hard to replace Justin Smith and what he can do athletically and defensively. It, it really is. You don't have a one-for-one. One. You bring Deron Davis in, you've got to move Jerron Morgan out to the perimeter, which, I mean, Jawan can do that, but that's not his strength. Uh, you've got to basically shift the way you're playing, uh, and you've got to give rests to some guys as well. So Justin Smith's going to be in there when you're only going eight deep, and one of those eight is Evan Fitzner, who you don't know what you're going to get you know, from game to game. And the other guy is, you know, what a Jake Forrester, maybe who, again, you don't know what you're going to get minute to minute with him. Uh, so I, I think that partially uh, they are kind of held back by just, uh, and, and it's in, it, 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 it keeps getting brought up again and again, but it's a reality is injuries and, and guys they were counting on to push guys like Justin Smith aren't there. And, and and Justin Smith, a lot of people thought he would get better because he'd be banging with Race Thompson every game or every practice, you know, and getting better and get, you know, maybe learning better ways to utilize his talent. But he's not. I mean, and there really isn't a threat. Justin Smith knows he's going to play because he can play defense. Not well lately, but he can play defense. And he, you know, he he typically will be about, a, you know, at worst, a non-entity on offense. But now he's actually hurting the team. And, and today he hurt the team. I, there's no other way for me to, to 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 phrase it. And I hate getting down on players and I hate calling players out, but he hurt the team today. And I'm not saying he's the reason that Indiana lost, but if you're looking at guys who had bad games, there are certainly guys to go across the board who did not have good games. But while Jawan Morgan only scored three points on offense, he was killing himself to get rebounds on every single possession and push, you know, diving on the floor, doing all of this stuff, the, all the intangible stuff you need. Um, Justin Smith didn't make up for his poor offense anywhere else. And and you can have a poor offensive game, but if you're having a poor offensive game, you got to make up with it with stellar defense. You got to make up with it by diving on the floor and getting after balls. You've got to make up for it by, you know, helping your teammates out and stuff like that. And you just don't see any of that from him. Um, now, I don't want anyone to jump on this and be like, oh, well, yeah, Justin Smith should transfer or do something. No, we're not saying that. We're saying this is a talented kid who really needs to figure out his game. And this is a guy who needs to work his tail off in the offseason. You want to shoot those shots? Work your butt off in the offseason like Victor Oladipo did and become a good good three-point or jump shooter. Uh, because right now, it's a disaster. I mean, watching him pull up, I, I we have a group text about this stuff, and I every time he shoots, I'm just like, the, the shot is all Like, it's just a terrible shot. Like, the, the construction of it is awful. It needs work, and he needs to 
to focus on that. If he wants to take those shots, put the work in to make those shots. You know, you can't just stand out there and, and fire away and expect things to get better. Um, yeah, I mean, so, the frustrating part is he's two games removed from basically looking like an all Big Ten player against Michigan State. He was awesome. But even in that he game, was, he was terrible for the first half offensively. Well, he was, but then he, but then he, but he was playing, you know, but he was playing harder. Yes, like he was I, more I engaged. You know, that's the I thing. That. I think that's sure, the no. frustration more than the offensive production, even. I, I agree. And I, but I think that when you combine, like, look, like I said, you can have a bad offensive game. Everybody has a bad offensive game here and there. Again, Juwan Morgan, three points tonight, terrible offensive game. There are factors for it. I'm sure we'll talk about, but he also had 13 rebounds because he was killing himself on the glass to get rebounds. And there were a couple rebounds where he poked the ball out and things like that. He was doing whatever he could to help his team. If you're going to have an offensive performance like Justin Smith had today, you've got to do other things to help your team. And he just well, didn't. And Ohio so State had an amazing had an amazing plan for Justin Smith. They obviously did their tape on him. If you watched in the first half, uh, they were putting Wesson on him. Wesson has fouled out three games this year. And they knew that. And they knew they could put him on the non-offensive threat Smith and just let him sag off and almost kind of take defense off and then just have to turn around when a shot went up. Yeah, and, and then he double on Morgan. He, he could easily double on Morgan because he can leave Justin Smith wide open. So yeah. uh, it was. It was a smart plan. And, and look, the way they shut down Morgan, that's a, the, that's a hats off to Ohio State. They had a great plan to shut down Morgan. There's no question yeah. about that. And in the first half, we did a good job on Wesson. We were doubling and we were rotating off of that double pretty well yeah. to start. I mean, we limited him to four points in the first half as well. So Yeah, de defense was not the issue today. Indiana, Indiana oh, brought the defense. Indiana brought the defense. The last thing I'll say on Justin, then we'll break, is, you know, in terms of the coaching decisions, he only played 24 minutes today. And there were certainly some times where Archie pulled him after particularly lackadaisical plays. And, you know, and obviously you can do that more when you've got Devontae, when you've got Deron Davis, you know, ready to go. So there was some of that because in a game where Justin's playing, you know, like good Justin, I suppose, if you want to use, you know, that term, he's playing 32, 33, 34 minutes. I guess the question is just, the struggle I have with him is, you know, and Archie's talked about how cerebral of a player is, or a player he is. And really, at times, he does show a really high basketball IQ on the court. And yet, offensively, he just continues to make decisions that are baffling. And so, you know, his, uh, his understanding of what he should be doing on offense just seems to be regressing, if anything. And I suppose that's the biggest concern because he's a player with so much potential and he's a player who's just so important uh, to what Indiana wants to do. All right, coming up here as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 55-52 loss to Ohio State, I'll point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed, and we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Chad Schwartzkopf, and we are breaking down Indiana's 55-52 loss to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, in a game, it really felt like the season was kind of hanging in the balance. If you couldn't win this, boy, you, I mean, eliminate almost all margin for error going down the stretch here for the Hoosiers, and they are unable to come away with the victory. It's time now for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. You know, One that I want to point out real quick, and, and we'll get to this more as we talk about Juwan Morgan in his day, but Indiana was down, I think, eleven to two early on uh, out of the after the first media timeout, and they came they came out after that, and I think Juwan he might have missed a shot, 
Um, yeah, he missed a three, but he hustled after the rebound, dove on the floor, and then on the other on the other end, Ohio State ended up getting the ball, but on the other end, you know, got a really tough rebound, and I thought. That energy kind of sparked Indiana. Indiana would go on, I believe, a 7-0 run after that to get right back in the game. And that was kind of indicative of Juwan's day because he wasn't able to convert anything offensively and really seemed just out of the flow offensively. But he battled and battled on the glass, You know, tried to give effort. And on a day when Indiana really didn't get to enough 50-50 balls, I thought he was at least one of the guys that was really going after those. And so you know, a tip of the cap to him for that. But where I really thought that this game was lost was, I mean, obviously at the very end of the game, yes. But in the middle of the second half, Ohio State hit two huge threes. It was like, you know, 44-38, something like that. Ohio State hit two huge threes to keep us at arm's length. One was by C.J. Jackson. One was by uh, Luther Washington. The second one was at the end of the shot clock. I think Devontae Green just lost him uh, on that out-of-bounds play, and he drained that three. And it was a continuation of what we have seen from Indiana's opposition, Ryan, where it seems like every time they need you know, a big three to kind of keep us at arm's length, they make it. We saw it against Iowa. We've seen it so many times during this, you know, this losing stretch. And, you know, fortunately, they missed some down the stretch. But that part of the game right there, you know, Indiana, right after that, you know, Indiana got three or four stops in a row and kind of tightened everything up. But then offensively, we couldn't convert. Devontae airballed a three. Justin airballed a baseline jumper. Rob Finnessy missed in transition. And that was a stretch right after those threes where we tightened up the defense, got you know three, four, five stops in a row, but just couldn't get anything going offensively. And I thought that was the point in the game where you get it down to two points, you tie it, and now when you get that three-point stretch at the end of the game, you're up by six or seven rather than just tying it. So it's easy to look there at the very end, but I thought that stretch in the middle where we finally got some stops and then just couldn't get a good offensive possession um, really, really hurt Indiana's chances today. Yeah, my my moment was certainly those threes they hit, and, and Indiana would get it close to four or get it close to three and then give up a big three, and it just it kills momentum every time. And, and that, that's happened against Iowa. That's happened against Indiana this year. I, I think that you get a good stretch of play and then boom, the other, you, you give up a bucket. Even when you're playing good defense, you give up a bucket. And, and I mean, you know, the meaningful moment that you definitely didn't miss was the fact that they went up 52 to 49 and CJ Jackson hits a 30 footer flat footed. I mean, stop letting him shoot from that spot on the court. I, I am so over CJ Jackson. My <laughs> God, we were there last year and I had to watch it in person. Um, but you know, I look that again, that CJ Jackson three and then the Bohannon three at the end of the Iowa game. I mean, you want them shooting those shots from way outside with a guy within arm's reach and he just made it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's sometimes it's just not your season. And this year has definitely not been IU season. They've had so many bad, you know, bounces and breaks like that. But, uh, you know, at some point it shouldn't have been that close anyway. So you can't, I mean, you're not just saying that uh, Ohio State got lucky. Indiana should have pulled away before that they had plenty of opportunities they were making stops defensively as you said and there were several times where they had a chance to really go on a run yet they'd give up a bad three and and you know you put yourself in a position to have jackson make that shot late you know to tie the game and um it's just yeah it's just been i mean from a macro version if we're looking at this season and where it is right now it's just been one of those seasons where indiana just cannot catch a break whether it's an injury whether it's you know uh, you know, an official not making the right call in a certain situation, whether it's a guy hitting a long three, whatever it is, it's just Indiana can't catch a break. And and 
we've kind of gotten used to that over the last few weeks. And I feel like we've lost sight of that, that this team just is, it, I don't, I don't want to say this team's cursed, but this team just is not catching any luck. We also don't create a lot of our own breaks or create a lot of our own. Oh, that's luck certainly either, fair. You know? But there are some teams that just, that just are charmed in that way. You know, they just find, they get lucky bounces. They get crazy. I mean, you know, the two, the last two big 10 championship teams for Indiana almost had charmed seasons. And, and, you know, there were, there were certain things where the ball rolled off the rim at Michigan, uh, where at, at the end against Iowa for that last championship team, uh, Iowa got three chances at a three and missed them all or whatever it was, or two chances at three and missed them both. And they were open. Um, you know, I mean, just that sometimes the ball bounces your way and sometimes it doesn't, it just feels like, and usually those even out over the course of a season, they really do. Uh, it just seems this year, the ball just is not rolling Indiana's way anyway. And, and your programs face that every program runs into that at time to time, Indiana's facing it this year. I mean, the fact that literally pretty much every player, but Al Durham, and he's got broken fingers. He had a broken finger, uh, or dislocated finger, pretty much every player, but Al Durham has been injured this year. And you know how many guys yeah, Al's missed? missed time too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, it really has. But I'm I'm trying to think of like really impacted their play. But you know, everybody's dealt with an injury, and yeah, injuries happen to everybody, all that stuff. But you look at the impact players that Indiana's missed for stretches of time this year; it's insane. Um, and then you look at things like Jackson hitting a three today, and I'm just sitting there on my couch, like, well, yeah, it makes sense that he would hit that three. It just does. That's this season. They are so snake bit. And all I can say about it is these things usually even out. And at some point, things will bounce in the end's way, but it may be next season. Well, some, some people might say we got a lot of bounces in November and early December. And this is true. kind you of could, it evening out. I mean, you could say that, but I, I really don't think so. I think a lot of those games were hard fought. Uh, you know, they did have some 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 plays go their way. But I mean, this is just an over just abundance of bad luck. I mean, this is, you know. Whatever karma this team built up in another life, I'm, I'm I'm terrible. I I you know I I, I would be loath to see the, the what kind of a life these guys lived in their past life if this is the karma they're getting repaid with. Um, but it's just it's bad. It's really bad. And and you know it's inexpl it's it's inexplicable. It really is how much bad luck this team is facing. And the the problem is you know you see the team that was on the floor against Iowa and Ohio State because you know for all the injuries, all the moving pieces, guys in and out. The same team that was on the floor for Iowa Ohio State was the one that was on the floor at Michigan State that we all saw play at this next level, and now we just haven't seen that in these two games at home, which I think is part of what's so disappointing. Chad, what, what moment stood out to you today? Well, I think today, really, the, the juniors is what stood out for me. I mean, when you had Davis in there with Green, they were playing off each other very well, and that's what we've seen in these past couple of games. When Davis is in the post and he has the ball and he's not able to bang in there and go up with the ball – he usually finds green first and we had that on a three pointer from green. Um, and he always makes the right decision. And I guess that's uh, a foresight to next year. So maybe we've got good leadership in our junior class. That'll be seniors next year and, uh, lead our way and, and lead by example. I mean, they've been a little bit more vocal than our, our seniors have this year. Yeah, boy, you know, Devonte the last three games, he was really good against Michigan state. He was good today. And really was one of the reasons they lost against Iowa, which is kind of the full Devontae Green experience in three yeah, games. Yeah, it's 50-50. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, but you know, credit to him because I, I thought he was, he was really important today in Indiana coming back. 
But you know, let's look at some numbers and a couple that really jump out to me, Ryan. First <laughs> Do off, we have to. <laughs> no, no, we, we have to because I, I think there, I think there's some that are really indicative. You know, uh, first of all, just to start with a positive, you know, defensively holding Ohio State to 0.92 points per, per possession, that's good. And Ohio State is not a great offensive team by any means, but Indiana really did a good job for most of the day. And, you know, I thought that could have been even better. Indiana gave up 10 offensive rebounds, and some of those were just guys just standing looking at the rebound yep. instead of attacking it. And that's one problem that I have with this team is just being too passive on rebounds and 50-50 balls to where it's almost like they either expect the ball to bounce to them or that someone else is going to go get it instead of being aggressive and attacking that loose ball. I thought Juwan did it, um, but for the most part, I feel like we have guys who are a little bit too passive in those situations. And the other thing that, to me, really tells the story is Indiana only shoots seven free throws, and Romeo Langford doesn't get one. I mean, with the way that this team wants to play offensively, even though they don't make a high percentage of their free throws, they want to get to the line. And so that is indicative of, you know... Romeo uh, Ohio- was not driving today. Well, yeah, and, and we'll, get to, we'll get to that. But also, Indiana with 11 assists on 21 made field goals. So that's greater than 50%, but it's still not good. And I thought, you know, I... I you, you know this, I always like to listen to the pregame show with Archie and just kind of hear what his keys are and see if the team follows that through to kind of see how much those guys are on the same page. And today, Archie really talked on the pregame show about we've got to be tough with the ball and we've got to move the ball. And I didn't think either one of those things happened. You know, Indiana only had 10 turnovers, but there were several plays. You know, one where Rob yeah. Finnessy just gets the ball poked out. Juwan had that happen. He just gets the ball poked out. And part of being tough with the ball is being assertive and aggressive offensively to where, you know, you're dictating as much as you're just taking what the defense gives you. And Indiana yep. really did that in the second part. Of, you know, after they started out the first the, the second half terribly, they once Duran got in there and Devontae got in there, they really started attacking. And you saw, you know, some of those little dump off passes and you saw them getting into the lane. But then at other times they would just settle. And for God's sakes, the three pointer that Romeo took when it was, you know, 55 to 52, you know, and I know he had made a couple of them, but he just pulls up for that deep three with like seven seconds still to go. It's 54, or no, 52. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 54, 52. That's right. When you could have driven to the basket. And, you know, look, he was three or for pass. six. He, he, like three guys went I after know, him. I know. I know. You know, and that's, you know, it's similar to how regulation ended at Michigan State, where he made so many big plays to keep us in that game at the end. You know, the three-pointer that he made when we were down nine to cut it to six, the three-pointer a couple possessions later. I mean, he really did some things late in that game, but that shot selection was just awful. I feel but, like he gets tu- he gets tunnel vision and he thinks at the end of the game that he's got to do it and he's got to be the one that takes over. And it, yeah. like you said, it's worked on some games and tonight it didn't work. Part of it's the fact that he's always been that way. He's always been the best player on the floor. He's always been the yeah. deep guy and he's always had to do that. And freshman you know, Nicks. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, most fresh, most top level freshmen who come in want to do that. That's why it's hard for when teams, you know, recruit five freshmen and bring them in it's hard to delegate things and and uh you know like when you do a kentucky thing where it's five five star freshmen or whatever it's hard to delegate who who gets the ball in the key situation and uh and romeo clearly is a guy who's used to doing that and that's what he did there and you know i just you know it was a, it was a terrible shot and it, it almost was. went in but it was a terrible shot and he was fading away i mean it was a you know, basically a Kobe shot from his heyday. And that's just not going to go in when you're a freshman who shoots, what, like 28% from three-point range? I mean, I know he hit a couple today, but Yeah, that's... and he's up around 40% his last four games, so it's yeah. improving, but that was not a good shot. It's last a number, 
Uh, last number I want to hit, Ryan, and let's get yours. Indiana forces turnovers on 25% of Ohio State possessions. So again, you know, the defense was much more engaged, much more locked in. And it's, it's a good thing that they did because Indiana scored 21 points uh, off of turnovers um, and had 12 fast break points. Man, you removed some of those with, with how, yeah, with how bad the half court offense was. I mean, they needed every single one of those. So it was nice to see the defense turn to offense. What numbers, Ryan, stood out to you? Twenty one points in the first half. That's what That's stood out to me. Pretty I mean, good one. <laughs> you know, it. Uh, they did hold Ohio State to twenty three, but twenty one points in the first half just says to me that they and Ohio State didn't come in ready to play. Uh, I, I think Ohio State got off to what was an eleven to two start. Uh, but even they hit a wall there. I don't know, you know, odd start time. We always talk about that, but it, they, both teams just seem flat for the first, you know, 15 minutes. <laughs> I you'd the... slip that in there. <laughs> well, it's true, though. I mean, the both teams just seem flat for the first 15 minutes. And, and the, you know, I, I also think the other one that it was a killer was 43.8% from three for Ohio State. Uh, they hit seven of 16 and a couple of those were bad shots, but when it seemed like they got a reversal and they kicked it out to, or, or went inside out to a guy, uh, they stepped into threes and hit them. And, uh, that wound up being a big difference in the game was they hit seven threes. Uh, a lot of them, you know, throughout the course of the second half really kept Indiana at bay. And, and so, uh, I think that was a problem for Indiana. Chad. The other number that sticks out to me is just the big guys of the game. I mean, you've got Morgan with no points, and then you've got Wesson, their big man, their Morgan star. Morgan had three. Only, he had three points. Yeah. Well, he had none, none going into the half, I should say. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then, and then Wesson had had uh, four going into half. And obviously, Wesson put his pants on at halftime, and he came out and ended up scoring 11 points in the second half and really being a key factor for them in that half. And, and Morgan did turn it on a little bit, but not to the same degree. Um, he was kind of reminiscent of uh, a kind of a Zach McRoberts type of game for, for Morgan today, where he was doing the hustle plays and all that stuff you don't really see on the stat sheet uh, completely. But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other one, too, is Deron Davis only played 17 minutes today. And, you know, he the he last couple of trouble. Well, he, he he did. But again, he didn't foul out. So, you know, and I wonder if he gets a few more of those minutes at the end of the game. You know, again, he, Indiana was so much better with him on the court. And I look, and I get with Duran, you're trying to manage his minutes because of the injury. He had foul trouble. I get all of that. But I still look at this as the second straight game where it seemed like we played some suboptimal lineups in winning time because of whatever the factors are. But the bottom line is we didn't have our best guys on the floor as much as we could have because today I thought he was one of those best guys. So maybe there's an extenuating circumstance why he didn't play more late. But I thought, you know, especially after how much better the offense looked with him in the first half, I thought he would get more time um, in the second half. So I was a little bit disappointed by that, especially late. You know, the other thing that really jumped out to me offensively is, man, you know, it, okay, when Devontae took that three-pointer at the end of the shot clock, he's in rhythm fine. There's no fear there because it's the end of the shot clock and it's Devontae and he's never scared anyway. But on so many other possessions where we either had a chance to tie it or when we were tied and had a chance to take the lead, we looked so tight. It's yep. like we were afraid to make mistakes, you know, and every dribble and every pass was, you know, it's just like our, all of our muscles are tense. And I felt like maybe on a couple of those possessions, too, and, and Duran was on the floor for some of those, but because of how he opens up the offense and kind of seems to anchor things when he's down there, you know, I thought that would have helped a little bit, too. And I get what you're saying. You know, it moves Juwan outside a little bit. 
But I don't know. The well, last three games, the offense has seemed to function a lot better when you've had Deron down there on the block. Yeah, defensively, I think the issue late. Well, first of all, they didn't have any timeouts, um, so they couldn't make a time. They couldn't call a timeout and change. You know, bring him in for offense, um, which was a problem because they called timeout to set up that inbounds play. Then it was uh, they called timeout because the inbounds play was not working. They set up another play, get the ball in, and they turn it over right away. So they would have been better just taking the five-second call, quite frankly. Um, but the problem was you didn't have that timeout late to bring him on offense. And I think defensively, it's an awkward matchup with he and Wesson, and then you put Morgan on Andre Wesson out on the perimeter, which is where Justin Smith was, and Justin Smith then got beat. So, it was, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're calculating a lot of things as a coach, and you're making a lot of calls, and he just rolled snake eyes there. He just rolled I don't know. I mean. I'm with you, Jared. I think that at some point we got to see coach let guys foul out. I mean, sure. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that either. Uh, But I think that in that situation, maybe you're saving him for, okay, let's bring him down on offense or, you know, something. And then, but you don't have any timeouts. I mean, there's just, there, there's so many factors of things going on right there. I do think that, that Archie's going to watch this tape and want to, put Deron Davis in a lot more if Deron can handle the 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 minutes load because he needs he needs to play every minute he can. Yeah, so because it's it's yes. clear it's clear the team is better with him on the floor. I don't think it's even close. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Ohio State. We need to talk about the days for Al Durham for Rob Finnessy and talk a little bit more about Romeo Langford as well. We will do that next. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. It will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. You can also text IU to 66866 and join our newsletter that way as well. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Chad Schwartzkopf, and we are breaking down Indiana's just debilitating 55 to 52 loss to Ohio State, which I mean, Indiana was behind the eight ball already when it came to getting enough wins, you know, to, to get off the bubble and get into the NCAA tournament. You know, now they're, you know, whatever, you know, being behind a worse ball than the eight ball is. They're, they're really in some trouble now and have really put themselves in position where they can maybe lose one more game down the stretch, you know, to, to kind of get themselves in position. So they really needed this one today. And, and guys, there's a couple other individuals that, that I want to talk about. One of them, Ryan, is Rob Finnessy, who I thought really played well in the second half of the Iowa game. And today I thought it was a mixed bag. You know, he was two for nine. And I thought his shot selection was a little bit awkward today. Like he's a guy who still seems like he's finding his rhythm in the offense because I thought he passed up some really good catch and shoot opportunities. And then some of the shots he took were really kind of out of rhythm. And, you know, early in the shot clock, they were not... They were not the kind of shots you normally see him take, but on the positive, you know, one thing that I feel like he's really improved at is he's always been a guy who's not afraid to drive into the lane, but for a long time this season, he was getting rejected, not even getting the ball up on the rim. The last couple games like a freshman driving. Yeah. 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 And really, you know, looked a lot like Yogi did when he was a freshman driving in there with nothing to do. And I feel like over the last couple of games, he's really done a better job of driving and being able to avoid defenders and get the ball up on the rim. And he's made a couple of layups that way. 
So, you know, some good, some bad from Rob Finnessy. Um, you know, overall, it doesn't have any assists today, two for nine. So, you know, certainly wasn't one of his better games. Um, but at least I thought growth in that one area, which is going to be important for him as he grows as a player for IU. Yeah, his, his jumper's still off, and he's still clearly not feeling that. Uh, but he's taking the shots, and he's taking the shots because he's getting open. And, and that's where you get the seven misses in there and two miss threes. I think that you like his movement on the perimeter. You like his defense, certainly. Uh, but he's not all the way back yet. He's not where he was against Butler or you know early in the season. Um, and I don't know if he will be for the rest of the year. I, I certainly hope so. But when you essentially cut out a month of workouts and practice and all of that stuff, you hit a wall and you got to start over. I mean, that's a long time to miss. And, and he did miss a lot of practice. And he did miss a lot of reps. And... Uh, with a guy like Deron Davis, when you miss time, you can still stand under the basket and turn around and do your hook shot and, and you know, stand still, jump or whatever. When you have a concussion, you can't do anything. And that's why it's taken Race Thompson so long, even though he's been cleared. It's taken Race Thompson so long to get back because he hasn't really, he didn't do anything for a very long time. Um, so, fantasy, you know, his jumper's just off. Uh, and remember, this is a guy who worked a lot on his jump shot to make it better over the last two years of his high school career and to start his freshman year. And he started becoming a really reliable jump shooter. You know, when you put in that much work, it tends to mean that you originally had some pretty bad habits. So, I'm sure he's got some bad habits to knock out that, you know, may have resurfaced. And, and so, you're, you're just seeing a guy kind of feel his way back. I agree with you that he's pretty fearless driving. I thought he drove a couple times and got fouled and didn't get called. But uh, to be fair, they weren't calling a lot today either way. No. And so, I, and I honestly, I prefer that. I would have preferred them just let them play than shoot a thousand free throws. Um, so that was just the flow of the game. I'm not complaining about the officiating. I'm just saying that it's something he's probably not used to is getting bumped and having to finish through that contact and not get the help of the foul. No, it's especially how we're shooting at the free throw line. It's very good, this kind of calling game. Yeah, you know, I'm good with it. Uh, although we were better than uh, Ohio State today. Two of six from the free throw line for the Buckeyes. Um, <laughs> Our free throw defense continues to be elite. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Say what you want about Archie. He's game planning that perfectly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just think that Fennessey is working his way back. And, and you know, it's funny when you look at Fennessey and where he was ranked in high school, and I think we all thought he was ranked a little too low. I mean, we talked about that. I thought that he was a much better player uh, than than his ranking suggested. But you look back to December and you look at he and Romeo and you're, I mean, they were playing like two of the top 50 players coming out of their class easily. Uh, Romeo still is really good, uh, you know, and, and playing at, at a high level and everything and, and fantasy's really fallen off and, and he's playing like a guy who was ranked where he was ranked. And a lot of that is because of that injury. But when you were looking at the, when you're looking towards the future and everything, and you're looking back at that December no, and November, the, the, the change you saw from fantasy, uh, I think you feel really positive about the point guard situation moving forward. That said, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get to see that guy the rest of the season. He's just, he missed so much time. It's really hard to make up for that. Yeah, and, you know, sticking with the backcourt, Al Durham has been a guy the last five games that has been such a rock for this team. And, you know, you lose a game by three points. They're so The margin is obviously so small. And this is a game where Al only scores two points. I mean, look, Al and Juwan, who have been two of our three scorers, scored five points combined today. And I really thought 
And Al only took two shots. I know. And and I I really thought this game was a reversion for Al. You know, our biggest criticism of him before he kind of broke out is there were certain games against, you know, equal or better athletes and tough physical games that he kind of shied away from. And, you know, and who knows? I mean, he just didn't quite look like himself. I don't know if the finger's bothering him. You know, as, you know, I had a, if if you missed the conversation that I had with Mark Titus, it was really good. And, you know, one of the things he, he brought up, which was a great reminder, is like, look, you know, sometimes you just don't know when a guy's had a bad week or did bad on a test and they kind of struggle yep. like inexplicably. And it's like, well, something may be going on in their personal. And, and I'm not saying that to suggest that. It's just a reminder. But, you know, Anything Al can cause a bad game. Yeah. And, and Al just didn't look like himself. Like he didn't look like the same aggressive, confident, attacking player. He shied away from some of those moments today. Um, you know, in the first half, they did a great job of leading, tra- you know, leading that transition play, you know, and, 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 and Justin ended up getting the dunk on it. So he did have some of those moments, but for him to play 29 minutes, only get two points, three boards and an assist, he's proven over the last five games that we can expect more of him. And so I think we can hold him accountable when he has a game like this because he's, he's reached a higher level as a player. And this was a bad spot for him to revert to how he was early and earlier in the season. He's well, He's a rhythm player. I mean, he's he's good when he can get into the flow and the rhythm of the game. And that's why those physical games, he gets thrown off and he he can't find his own little w- rhythm or swag during the game. And yeah, he even tried to drive a couple times and just got swallowed up by Ohio State. So, I mean, part of it was the way Ohio State played. Yeah, I mean, they were sagging off and making everything difficult yeah. in the lane. So, I, you know, that was just, again, we, we, we harp on this constantly, but having reliable three-point shooters changes the dynamic for this offense. It really does because you see the driving lanes are there. And then they disappear immediately because teams don't even respect anyone shooting threes, even Romeo, even Finnessy, even Morgan. They're just just go ahead and shoot, see what happens. Which is why it well, doesn't make sense that he was zero for zero from three point range today. Like this seems he didn't like have a any game. open looks. It was weird. Well, he really yeah. didn't. And no, and, no. And, I mean, I, like honestly, because I was looking for that. I was waiting when we get momentum going. I was like, okay, let's see if we can get Al on a reversal here. You know, get him going. And he just didn't have any great looks. And and again, credit Ohio State. They played good defense today, just like Indiana played good defense. Um, worth noting on that that what Titus was saying about about guys having uh, you know just having a bad week. And and I think we forget sometimes that these are kids and people say, well, they're 18, they're adults. Well, okay, yeah, they're adults. They're young men. They're young men. They're not professionals who this is their entire life where basketball, if you have something go bad in basketball, all you do is you go to the gym, work it out, figure it out, you know, do it 10 hours in a gym. And then these guys are, are, are students and, and they've got all kinds of stuff going on that we don't even consider because of basketball. And they also have to hear about how they've lost now 10 of 11 all week long. It's not like this is they live in a bubble where they're not hearing the criticism and all of that stuff. So if you see a guy come out and force things in a game, it might be because he's heard how bad he is and he's trying to force something. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on that we don't consider with these guys and we want to treat them like they're professionals and that they're they're in this bubble and everything. I mean, the guy breaks up with his girlfriend. He might have a bad game. You know, I mean, it's there's so much going on. I think you guys remember being in college and, you know, you have a long night some nights. You go out, you, you go out with your friends, you do some stuff. And the next morning, were you your best self in class? I mean, let's, let's be honest. And, and that's kind of what, what happens to college kids. And, and um, I'm know, guessing it, if a guy breaks up with his girlfriend, he'll have a great game. If she breaks up with him. 
that's well, when yeah. he's going to struggle. Well, hey, it could be an emotional night. No, Long, that's true. That's could true. stretch into the wee hours in the morning. You know, they talk, 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 talk. You know, and, and, and uh, this this team has broken up with and and <laughs> been broken up with many times this season. Because apparently, yeah. yeah, it must be. Right. Uh, but no, I I just think it's 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 something that we need to consider. That these guys have lives that they're expected to lead outside of basketball. And, and uh, sometimes we do kind of, that kind of gets lost in, in, you know, we're breaking down games and things like that. These are human beings and they have other things going on in their lives that can affect the way they play basketball. We always bring it up more when they've lost nine out of 10 than when they won nine out of 10, but that's just how it goes. Um, Chad, do you want to, do you want to throw anything in about Rob or Al? I I think uh, we got to see Rob have at least four assists a game. I mean, he'll find that he'll find that rhythm. And I think him and Al both, uh, they get lost at, at getting it down to Duran Davis down at the post. We kind of lose our, our post game. Uh, yeah, is the best defeating the post. I mean, that's, and pretty, that's, that's what no it doubt. is. I mean, that's why we, when we get those two guys in there, he's, he's looking for it. granted. He, it'll stick out to you because he had that one where he gave it between Juwan's legs and, and that kind of was a bad, Time. You know, but but that's He's an important point. Him. You know, Devonte is the best at feeding the post to Duran, especially. You know, interesting how those guys have played together for three years. You know, interesting how when you've played with a guy, you have chemistry with him and kind of know where he likes it, know how to get him the ball. And and look, you know, nothing is going to take away how disappointing this game is, how frustrating the last nine or ten games have been. But all of us, as you know, NCAA tournament hopes slip away quickly, are going to start looking to the future. And the thing to remember is how important. You know, we've talked about this getting old and staying old and getting guys who have played in the same system together for a while, how much of a difference that can make. Because so often we have seen the players on this year's team look like they're on a different page from each other and look like they're on a different page from their coach. And that is not to absolve anybody from responsibility because by this point in February, it should be better than what it is. But this is going to look better in year three and in year four and in year five, even if the individual pieces, you know, you may say like, well, man, you lose Juwan Morgan, you lose Romeo Langford, some of these guys, how can things be better? Well, it'll be better because you, all the, all the players on this roster are good players. All the players Archie's bringing in are good players. So as they have more time in the system and more time together, some of those things will get better. And again, it's not going to make today any easier to deal with, but it is something to remember for the future. Well, even if they don't, you know, get better quote in the system, they'll get better as players, just being on campus and working out and all of that stuff. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, I agree with you. It will get better in the system, but I'm saying even without that, you're just developing physically and being better. I mean, I, I have a feeling Rob Finnessy is going to be a better three point shooter next year. I have a feeling that Al Durham will be better at three point shooting, driving Pat, like, you know, everything. He's a guy who's a hard worker, Justin Smith, please God, Justin, work on your shot. You know, I mean, like these guys will all be better next year. Deron Davis is an example. will be healthier next year. We assume, um, you know, maybe Demise Anderson will get, will figure out his jump shot and, and, you know, unlock some more athleticism for his defense and all of that stuff. So, I just think that that physically they'll de- they'll all develop. And remember that the two highest rated recruits in that recruiting class outside of Romeo Langford were Jerome Hunter and Ray Thompson, who have not played this year. So I, I, I think that this roster is going to be a lot better position next year for yeah. sure. But that doesn't absolve this year. Piggybacking on that, I mean, we we heard if anyone listened to Don at the beginning of the game uh, we heard from race thompson he did a nice interview with him and we've been we've been questioning it all year saying when are we going to see race it's just a concussion when are we going to see race when are we going to see him and we finally learned answers that he was really bad i mean he was 
It's very sensitive to light, sound, noise. I mean, he, he wasn't going to classes. It sounded like he was almost sitting in a soundproof black room for a couple of weeks. I mean, he, he was not in good shape. So to be where he is now, to at least be out there uh, on the bench, and I was, oh, I was hoping he took off that warm-up shirt at some point, but on the bench there, he still had the long sleeve on. Um, so we can, I guess, hope for next game to see him. But it's, it's again, they're, they're kids, they're getting over injuries, and they're in a new atmosphere that they've never been in, and they're playing against competition at a level they've never played against, and recovering from that and new players, it's, it's so much to handle. And for a young team like this to try to find that footing is, is, is tough, and it happens in waves then, and that's what we've seen this year. Yeah, I mean, guys, just so you know, if they're holding a kid out for a really long time, there's a reason they want these guys to play as much as anybody. They weren't, they weren't being overly delicate with race or, or Rob fantasy when they had their concussions, they were doing the right thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny because at the time I had so many people, you know, in my timeline accusing, uh, Archie of being soft for not getting these kids out there faster and all that stuff. It's like, Oh, shut up. You know, like (laughs) they're doing what's right for the kids and that should be priority. Number one in all of this. You know how to know that a season is quickly just fading when we spend the second half of segment three talking about how kids might have had bad days and looking toward the future. Because really, we're kind of at that you know point in the season. Maybe, where they, maybe they just don't have to say Capri Sun and orange slices. Let's have a good day. You know, <laughs> the teachers should let them should let them go outside and have a, you know, uh, not right now, but maybe, you know, g- g- have class outside of class somewhere. Maybe go to the gymnasium and sit down and have a little picnic. You know, it's something nice. Let's, let's is... wheel in the cart with the TV on it and the VCR. Thank you. you. Know, watch, watch a movie. <laughs> This is this is where we are in the 2017-18 or 2018-19 Indiana basketball season. All right, coming up in our final segment, we're going to hand out our game ball. We will hit any other storylines that we haven't hit yet. Probably talk a little more about Romeo. And then last call, we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's big loss to Ohio State today. That's next. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morse. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Chad Schwartzkopf, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 55-52 to loss to Ohio State in a game that, you know, really, really felt like it was a meaningful one. The Hoosiers are unable to get the victory, and it becomes very, very difficult as you start looking at the upcoming schedule to paint a reasonable picture for how this team wins enough games to give themselves a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Of course, it's still possible. I mean, Indiana, you know, could start winning, and obviously you've got the Big Ten tournament there, but, you know, coming into this two-game home stretch, it really looked like it was something that was doable, and now, it, you know, like I said, it's hard to paint that reasonable picture. Guys, let's hand out our game balls for t- today's game. Uh, Chad, since you're here making your first appearance on the Assembly Call IU postgame show and doing a fine job, I might add, why don't you hit leadoff here for the game ball? I think my game ball has to go to Deron Davis. I mean, if I could give it to two, I'd give it to the juniors on this team. I mean, they were just uh, amazing. Every time that they got into the game, uh, again, the stats said it, uh, They were our team was better. Uh, we've tried to work it into him, and, and Deron, as he always can, he finds that open man or he finds a, a play outside of, of, the, of the paint, or he goes up there and he gets us a basket. Um, and adding uh, Duran to it uh, or adding a green to it just 
they're, they're a dynamic duo with those two juniors. And if I could give the anti-game ball, I think we all know where that goes. Yes. Yes, I think we do. Ryan, who gets your game ball? Uh, I was actually down between the juniors as well. I'm going to give it to Devontae Green just because he hit that big three to to give him the lead late. Um uh, but I, I agree with Chad that it was one of the two. I thought Duran, the team was so much better when Duran was on the floor. He only scored six points, but he was plus 11. Uh, just there's some, there's a different level of confidence when he's on the floor. And, and I think that he might be the X factor down the stretch here if Indiana is going to get things turned around. And as he's been playing more, the teams are playing better. And we've seen that over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're not getting blown out as they did earlier in Big Ten season when he's on the floor and looking healthier. Um, but I think Devontae uh, played a very good game today. Uh, 10 points, two rebounds, three assists, only had the two turnovers. One of them was he had he made the right pass. He just threw a bounce pass to Juwan Morgan and put it between his legs, which our guard's obsession with bounce passes is is really wearing on me. Um, but he also had a steal and a really nice finish on a, a transition basket, and then he hit those big threes late. And you know, say what you want about Devontae Green. That guy is not shy. He doesn't shy away where other guys seem really tentative offensively he's not and and uh sometimes that's something you need i know he's a frustrating player at times but man there are times he comes up big for this team and he did today and so i'm giving my game ball to him but i i agree with chad that deron davis is is a worthy choice as well yeah i was down between those two guys i do want to give honorable mention mention to juan morgan for a career high 14 rebounds he did not score well offensively he was not good enough but he did some good things, you know, also had a really nice block, had a couple of steals. So this is not one of those games where Juwan was just a non-factor and really did a nice job of staying out of foul trouble. Only one foul in a game that really profiled as one that was going to be hard for him to do. So, you know, I want to give him honorable mention, but I'm going to give mine to Devontae, kind of down between Devontae and Duran, but Devontae kind of breaks the tie by hitting that huge three that actually gave Indiana the lead. And sometimes you just need a guy who can step up and make a shot. This team especially needs a guy who can sometimes step up and make an outside shot. And since he has come back from his, you know, from his suspension, you know, we've seen, I'll give him this. We've seen more good Devontae than bad. Granted, bad Devontae may have cost Indiana the Iowa game. I and mean, he was that bad in that game with his turnovers. Um, you know, other things obviously hurt them in that game, but you know, he was certainly a big part of winning against Michigan State, and if Indiana had pulled this game out, it would have been uh, a lot of it would have been about Devonte. So uh, he uh, he gets the tiebreaker there. We'll give it to Devonte. One last thing, I feel like we haven't quite touched on Romeo quite enough. You know, and, and Ryan, I thought early in the game we've wanted Romeo to come out early in games and have an attacking mindset. I thought he did early in this game. You know, he had that. He was really playing well on defense. Had that steal. Had five quick points. And then it was like the final 12 minutes of the first half, he just couldn't get going at all. Part of it because of the way that Ohio State was defending and part of it because he just kind of allowed himself to be taken out and didn't have the assertiveness. Same thing through about the first eight minutes of the second half. But then, you know, once it got down to the end of the game, and we've seen this really ever since the Maryland, well, I mean, shoot, he was doing it all the way back to the Northwestern game. You know, at the end of games, he gets the ball in his hands and really gets aggressive and you leave a game like this being tantalized by some of what he did, you know, and he played 38 minutes, three of seven from three point range, you know, had three assists. So there were some good things, but you also leave feeling incomplete. Like, you know, where was it the rest of the time? Because in a game where you lose by three, again, if there's a few more possessions where he's aggressive with a purpose and can drive and get fouled or make something happen, this is a different game. Here's the thing with Romeo, and, and he he did show up late and helped Indiana get back into this game and and have a chance to win it. What what I look at when I'm looking at his stat line though is zero free throws. 
And, and, and yeah. that tells me he's not being aggressive enough. Now, look, when he had the, uh, the drive where he nailed Caleb Wesson in the groin, which, nice job, Romeo. Uh, I, I thought he was fouled, and I thought that that's why he missed the shot. And that foul made him miss the shot. Um, that said, again, it was a game where they weren't calling fouls, but that doesn't mean you stop being aggressive. You go to the hoop. You go to the hoop. You force them to make those calls. And I just thought he didn't do that today, and I thought that's the one thing missing from giving him a game ball was that there were sections of the game where he was very tentative, where he didn't play great, and uh, it really affected the team as a whole because when he's being aggressive, when Juwan's being aggressive, and Juwan, while he wasn't scoring, was being aggressive today. Uh, when those two guys are attacking, everybody else kind of follows their lead, and I just thought Romeo spent too much time wandering the perimeter today. And, you know, I mean, he did play 38 minutes. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of starting to think that maybe they need to dial down his minutes a little bit uh, and, and make him more effective. That might make him more effective when he is in the game. But he and Juwan, 38 and 35 today, you know, so they 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 were, you know, out there a lot and only combined for 18 points. So that's that's a rough uh, result for Indiana. I think that's why they don't get game ball consideration. Some of my we'll favorite say, moments on this show are when Ryan fights back yawns. Uh, you can always tell. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say with Romeo, this is the first game in a while where I've said I didn't see a play where he didn't hustle back on defense. Uh, there are many times we've seen this year when he's missed a shot or hasn't gotten a call and he kind of pouts his way uh, back on the other end of the, of the court. And I don't, I don't remember. I don't know if you guys saw something, but I didn't see that happen. I saw day. one or two, but they were less frequent. They were less frequent. Okay. I'll give you that. Um, quick number. Romeo has taken 26 threes over the last three games, and he has made 11 of them. Are you, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the production kind of speaks for itself. Are you okay with him taking that many? Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the percentage only, has been good. So, like I said, else, it speaks for itself. But, but you know, as he as could it be a blessing in disguise? I mean, if he keeps making those, but it kind of uh, you know he starts settling a little bit more, you know, he goes away from what he's really good at. Well, I think that it's it, 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 at worst it's going to at least spread the defense a little bit because they're going to yeah. start respecting it. But yeah, I agree. Guys do settle and they fall for fool's gold like that. Yeah. All right. Any other? If we hit all the storylines, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Chris Holtman now 3-0 against Indiana. That's not good. Can't it's, wait to hear people talk about that this week. Well, right now, the the uh, the proof, the, the results are certainly on his side. But I, I will say this. I do think that we are on the verge of the Indiana-Ohio State rivalry getting back to what it should be. Because right now, the games have been very competitive. I mean, a couple of great games at Assembly Hall the last couple of years. And I think with the way they're recruiting, with the way we're recruiting, my belief in both coaches, you know, this was this has been a great rivalry in the Big Ten. The games just haven't meant much the last couple of years. I think in the next few years that'll start to happen. So I'm I'm excited about that because Indiana Ohio State rivalry is a good one, and I think the Big Ten's a lot better when it's a really good rivalry. I mean, there'll be there'll be a little bit more temperature in the game uh, next year against them since we lost DJ to them. So yes. fans will be a little bit on fire to uh, point that out or, or really really get in, at him. When we yes. play them. So those are those are some of the thoughts that can hopefully keep you warm on this cold, cold February afternoon. Uh, Indiana plays again. We have a almost a full week off. Indiana doesn't play again until Saturday uh, against Minnesota. So no games. We will have Banner Monday uh, on Monday, obviously tomorrow, and then we'll have Assembly Car Radio on hey, Thursday. 
Don't so. say obviously. Lately, it hasn't been obvious. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Some days we've switched to Tuesday, but we'll have it on Monday this week and then uh, on Thursday. So we'll have plenty more time to talk about this game and kind of look ahead uh, to the near and long-term future for Indiana. And we hope that you'll join us on all those shows. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com on both sites. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Guys, it's time for last call. One note I did want to make. Coach Tonsoni was at the game. He was sending me different observations that he made. Uh, you know, one of his observations was just that in person, kind of the energy or lack thereof of certain guys was really frustrating to him, you know, as a coach. Um, so that obviously concerning. But he said, watching warmups, Rob Finnessy was the one who took it the most seriously. Um, and obviously as a coach, he really liked to see that, uh, you know, a good sign that, you know, a freshman is that serious, uh, you know, in warmups, a good, a good sign for his future as we, as we strain for things to feel positive about after a ninth loss in 10 games. So an observation from coach, let's go to last call, Chad, you go first. I think my, my bright side to look at in this game is many times you'll point to games and there's a point where, uh, the other team puts a dagger in the game for you. And I think that was at the six minute mark when Wesson hit that three pointer. Uh, and I even put in my notes, uh, uh, is we need to respond. Are we going to respond? And that's the, the time where we went back down the other side and Romeo answered with a three and then we got a good defensive stop and then green drains a three. And then the next time Romeo hits a three and that tied the game. So that really had that little section of the game not happen. Then uh, I, I think it would have been, maybe uh, an easier loss to take. I don't know how well you could say something like that, but at, at least when I felt that dagger in the heart for the game to be over, we at least answered the call there. Um, we just need to then complete it and start at the beginning to not have to do that. Yep. Ryan, last call. Yeah. Another tough day for Hoosier fans. Uh, try and go out and do something and enjoy the rest of your Sunday folks. Uh, you know, they just did. Say, they listened to the assembly call. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we we're we're nothing if not a ray of sunshine in your <laughs> life. Uh, but uh, no, I just think that look, this team is in a rut, and and it's things have gotten better, and they've played closer and tighter games, but they're just not getting over the hump. And I think that the one thing we can hang our hat on right now is that Deron Davis makes this team better, and so I hope moving forward, he's going to see more time with the right people on the floor around him because I think he's the guy that really can be the game changer for this for this program right now which needs some wins and you know they've got a week off to figure this out and hopefully they do and and you know none of us like it when they lose 10 out of 11 or whatever it is nine out of ten i don't even know what we're at now. nine out of ten nine out of ten yes oh god uh just saying that makes me ache uh but let's just hope that they figure it out and and can can really come together this week and we get some contributions from guys we need to get contributions from asap I really, I, I'm just, as I think all of us are, really struggling to process the last 10 games. You know, nine of them losses, and the one win that Indiana got was the most unlikely of them all in a game on the road at Michigan State where they had an 8% chance to win, according to Ken Pump. And, you know, it, it's almost like that one win right in the middle of it makes the rest of it so much more inexplicable. 
you know, you could kind of explain away some of the losses, you know, that preceded the Michigan State loss because of injuries or, you know, the chemistry that, you know, was the result of those injuries and like all these other things and a lot of the games being on the road. But, you know, what we've learned over the last two games is it doesn't really matter if the games are on the road or at home. Yeah, Indiana has played a little bit better in these two games, but they still haven't been able to find a chance to win. And, you know, whatever whatever they were able to unlock in East Lansing from a focus standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint, from a shot-making standpoint, you know, I think we all hoped that we would see that in these two home games. And there have been a few brief flashes where we've seen it, but we just haven't seen it enough and it's led to two losses and at the end of the day the bottom line is indiana needs wins and right now they're just not getting wins um you know and a big part of it today was the way indiana started you know 22 to 6 combined during the first four minutes of each half and that was killer you know indiana is just not good enough not prolific enough offensively to give up that many points at the beginning of halves and think that they're going to come back and still be able to win games so you know, look, I, I know that a lot of, of Indiana fans are frustrated and I'm frustrated too. And, you know, you stare at this four and nine in conference play fading fast. There's still one, two, three, four, five, six, seven regular season games left. And it's, you know, it, all of them are winnable and all of them are losable. And, you know, right now, obviously, with the way that things have gone recently, they all look a lot more losable than they do winnable. But, you know, things are still there for this team if they can really get going and get on a roll to make something of this season, but losning this game today really makes that a lot harder to see. So we'll we've, be here every learned, game. We've learned a hard lesson as fans. You've, you've got to learn how to you deal with expectations. And going yeah. into the beginning of the season, we knew the talent was high and this team could do a lot and our expect, expectations were high. Then we hit that losing streak and we we the bottom seems to drop out and and we seem to lose all hope. And then you win the most inconceivable win of your schedule and the expectations go right back up through the roof again. So it, it's a hard lesson to learn, but it's one that we're going to have to swallow as, as Hoosier fans. Um, but And the I, thing is, Indiana fans want to embrace this team so badly. You know, like I've seen people questioning, you know, the crowd and the turnout and all of that stuff. And I've got to say, like, I, I, you know, look, we are fans that are here, win or lose, always, you know, and I would like every fan to be like that. I think you ride or die with your team. And even in their worst moments, you stick with them and you watch and you stay there. But I don't think every fan needs to necessarily be held to that standard. And I think, you know, in the arena, yes, you know, you want Assembly Hall to just be loud and rocking and crazy, but when you come out and you're giving up runs like that at the start of games, it deflates things, and it gives the other team confidence, and I just think this team, the fans want to embrace them, but the team just, not that they don't want to come through for them, they just haven't been able to for the myriad of reasons that we've talked about, and that's that's what that's what's made this season so frustrating. But you know, we'll keep watching. We'll keep hoping. It's there. The potential is there if this team can find a way to unlock what they had in that Michigan State game. But I think it's perfectly fair if you can't have faith in that happening anymore and you need to see it to believe it. I think that's where we all are. But hopefully, as we move forward, we'll see it some and be able to start believing. Chad, by the way, great job. Your first time on the post game show. It was great having you. You're going to be. Uh, hosting co-hosting for the michigan state game when we are there so we wanted to come on here get you some live reps and you did a great job so way to go thank you appreciate being here it's uh it's an honor to be on and uh yeah 
hopefully many more. Yeah, and hopefully the next time it's a win because, as, <laughs> as you know, the show is a lot more fun than Indiana wins. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have a stained record. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday for Banner Monday and then Thursday for Assembly Call Radio. We hope that you'll join us. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.